Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting firm RiderFlex. If you enjoyed today's guest interview, please give it a like and be sure to subscribe to the RiderFlex podcast. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. So what's the temperature in Dallas today? 110 or what, what, how, what's the... <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, uh, it's in the eighties. It's cloudy. Sun came out for a few minutes, but, um, I think we're past the crazy 110 plus for the year, hopefully. So it's yeah. nice. Um, uh, this is yeah. 85 and cloudy. Um, I think that's currently what we've got. So it's beautiful um we needed a break we got yeah go ahead uh, we got a break last week you know we got a year's worth or season's worth of rain in 24 hours so there was a day i think last thursday that just came down we got over nine inches i think in dallas so in one probably, day probably needed it though right for sure for sure. Um, things are coming back, you know, the lawns and stuff like that, showing green a little bit again, instead of just brown. So things are good. I lived in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth from, uh, let's see, 95. I lived outside of, I lived southwest of Fort Worth. Uh, what's that town called? It starts with a B. Uh, uh, I'm Burlington. I don't, I'll think of it in a minute. Anyway. Hmm. Lived there from lived there from ninety five to ninety nine. Yeah, it's hot in the summer, bro. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, it's hot. Uh, yeah, I'm Lothian. I'm about thirty minutes south of downtown Dallas. So, um, it's it's great. I've got we've got still sort of nature around us. You know, bigger bigger area, less less populated, less less densely populated, I should say. Um, and it's still close to the city, close to the office. And uh, yeah, everything is uh, weird out here. So uh, where, whereabouts is that? What's, what, uh, what area is that? So is Midlothian that? is in Ellis County. Um, and it's, if you take, um, it's a tollway now, mostly 360 and take south through Arlington into Mansfield okay. and next to Mansfield, sort of if you take then 287 to start going east sort of southeast from mansfield that's midlothian is the next city over so and then the next one after that is walks ahead you can shoot up straight 35 go back to dallas last time i drove through dallas uh, i don't know three four or five years ago i i was just like wow I, it's just it's it's massive <laughs> it's massive right unbelievable it, uh yeah, it's huge by area. It's, it's growing a lot. You know, we moved here from Chicago uh, mm. 10 years ago. So, mm. you know, 10 years ago when things were sort of slow still, you know, real estate wise, growth wise in the Midwest, um, things had never slowed down here from, you know, that 2008 great recession that we had. Mm. So we, you know, we moved here and it was just booming new builds and still rolling. it still is yeah Man, you got all those people from california moving to texas <laughs> yeah. 
For sure. I mean, we have all the transplants. We, you know, uh, I was one of them 10 years ago. So we're taking them all. The more, the better. We have space. Good stuff. Speaking of Illinois, tell us a little bit about uh, the, the early life, the family, mom, dad, siblings. Uh, give me some background, if you don't mind. Yeah, so I'll I'll even take you back before Illinois. Um, I was actually born in Lithuania. So I came to the States when I was 14 years old. Um, landed in Illinois, in Chicago. Um, so my mom, uh, my mom and my dad divorced, um, and my mom raised me on her own since I was three. Um, she came to the States in 93, um, typical sort of first generation immigrant story. She was cleaning homes and got a job, saved some money, and I was able to come two years later. Um, wow. 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 over two years who took care of you grandparents my grandparents yeah uh her um her parents uh, my grandma grandpa stayed with them for two years and wow um yeah so that's how i came to illinois uh went to high school there went to college near there um and moved to texas in 2012 with my family my wife and two kids So, so yeah, let me ask you about your your mom's situation there a little bit. Do you still have? Uh, I'm sure, I guess you still have family in Lithuania, right? I'm assuming. Only my grandma. Um, only my grandma. So um, my 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 dad passed away um, seven years ago. My grandpa passed away six years ago from my mom's side, um, and my grandma's the only one remaining. So uh, you, you know, we frequent. Um, and we go there quite a bit to, you know, spend time with her, hang out with her, take care of her as much as we can. She's been here. Um, she doesn't want to live here, uh, but she, you know, that's her home there. Uh, still in the same home that I grew up in, the same home that my parents grew up in, you know, my mom grew up in. So that home will stay with us, with the family. And I've taken my kids there now four or five times. We go and spend summers there and my wife and kids so we we really enjoy going back and um you know my family loves going out there and so you know we very, like it very cool uh how old is your grandmother she is going to be 85 this november it's tough to tell 85 year olds what to do isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah she she you know she doesn't care for it no english and different country different culture and different friends and all that and yeah i would not be moving across the world to no matter how much i love my kids and grandparents or grandkids you know when i'm 85 yeah i'm not looking to make a transcontinental change my brother, uh, my dad passed away uh, a little over a year ago, but, uh, you know, when he was in his, after like 75 to 80 and in the mid eighties, you know, my brother would be like, you need to call dad and tell him to do this and tell him to do that. And I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> yeah. It's not happening. No. So you were the only kid then just only child. Only child. I have a half uh, brother and a half sister. Um, Okay. So both my mom and my dad remarried. Um, okay. My, I have a half sister. She, from my dad's side. So uh, we stay in touch. We're close. She actually lives in Germany. Okay. Um, and then my half brother lives in Chicago. He was born in Chicago. He was, um, he was 14 years younger. So he was, my mom was pregnant when I came. 
Um, and oh, he was born in 90, right. 96, 96. Yeah. Is she still married to that guy or no? My mom actually passed away. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I'm so, sorry. yeah, my mom passed away four years after I came here. Um, so she suddenly had um, a brain tumor and a brain cancer um, that she wasn't able to beat. So she passed away in 2000. When you were 18, uh, is this when you were a senior in high school or a freshman in college? Freshman in college, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. wow. Did you? Okay. Wow. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Uh, so you went away to school. Mr. What were you living, living on campus, like in the dorms? Your mom calls you and she, man, I bet that was traumatic. Holy cow. <clears throat> well, it started when I was a, so <clears throat> a sophomore in, oh, um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, a sophomore in high school. Hmm. I see. That's when she was diagnosed. She, she, yes. Um, that's when she had her first surgery and then, you know, fight it, try to beat it. We thought um, she overcame it, but she did Damn. not. Had a couple more surgeries. And Oof. so she started battling that in 90, 98. Um, and then for two years, it was okay. Um, and then came back strong uh, in 2000. And so, um, yeah, you know, that taught me a lot. Um, I would say that um, that experience didn't, um, it was it was tougher at a time, but I was looking at a long picture that there was nothing that was going to deter me from being successful. The opportunity that I was given, um, mm. it was it, it was definitely difficult, but I understood the task in front. Um, and, uh, but yeah, but freshman year in, in college was when she finally passed. Um, Unfortunately, I, um, I had, I had a really good support system in school. Um, I ran track and cross country. I was part of, um, a phenomenal program at North Central College in Naperville, Illinois. Um, it's, it's coaching staff, former alumni, teammates, um, you know, all the support that a person could ask for at that mm -hmm. moment in time mm -hmm. was there for me. So um, I it really had no excuses to not do what I wanted to do. Um, so it was tough on the individual side, but yes, I lived on campus. Uh, people invited me for holidays to their home, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas and stuff like that. So I was always involved. I was always part of someone's family. Um, mm. but, but it's a typical, you know, um, I look back on it now. It's a typical first generation immigrant story that people have to come in and bite and claw um but this right. country provides an opportunity you know mm -hmm. so it's it's always out there if you if you look for it if you fight for it it'll be okay so it all worked out when you hear people when you hear millennials i'll pick on millennials when you hear young people especially in this country complain about about the united states are you, are you like what are you talking no. about what? no <laughs> if you find things to complain about you need to start zooming out you know that's sort of for me you know what i would say is take a plane ride look out the window <laughs> yeah right there's no bombs flying electricity is on when you land there's food um safety water. fresh water water you go home and you go to bed and you have a safe shelter so life is good you know <laughs> if you are if you are complaining about who is in power you're, you're giving them too much power because really they, they, they don't have that much control over your destiny. If, you know, this country will allow you to 
do what you want to do. If you start zooming in and listening to, you know, macro influencers, micro influencers, whoever, you'll start feeling sorry for yourself and find excuses why things aren't working for you. But if you push through, things are fine. You know, I had, there's uh, opportunity here for everybody. I couldn't agree more. Recently talked to an executive that, uh, you know, you know, our day job as a recruiting firm, right? So we're always talking to candidates and, uh, this guy lived in uh, Jamaica for the last several years. And he said, man, he's like, I just need to, I'm just trying to get back to the States. He's like, I just want food on the grocery shelves, fresh water. When I turn on the faucet, you know, electricity yeah. to work every time, like just basics. He would say, I just want the basics. And he's like, so many people take that for granted. Uh, it's exactly. So true. Exactly. Uh, um, are you, uh, I don't want to go into a full blown political discussion, but I have to ask this because you, you live so, you know, your family was so close to the Ukraine and all that. And the, the Russia thing. I mean, just, is that like, how does your grandmother feel like, is she, does she feel safe? Does she feel unsafe? Does she feel like, you know, Putin's going to invade Lithuania? Like, well, I'm just wondering what, how does she feel over there right now? Just curious. Yeah. So we were just, we were just there this summer with my family. And okay. we got an opportunity to take in the whole culture, right? Since the war started in Ukraine. So right. um, the beautiful thing is, I would say that the advantage that Lithuania has had since they, you know, claimed independence in 91 from the Soviet Union was that regardless of um, who was in power, and I'm not, you know, well-tuned who, you know, what parties, but they had non-negotiable goals. And, they, and it was to get rid of corruption, to meet all the EU and NATO standards and join them. And it took them, you know, 13 teen years to do that. Uh, but in 2004, they joined NATO um, and shortly after European Union. So now they're protected by NATO and by EU and therefore by United States. And so the, the feeling there now is we're fine life is as usual. You wouldn't notice a difference if you're in Belgium, Germany. Yes, there's conversation. It's a constant front. I would say that, you know, Lithuanians are proud heritage. Their flags flying daily, regardless of national holiday or not. Just They're just proud people. Um, but now there are equal amounts of Ukrainian flags flying in that country, showing support and, and taking refugees and giving them jobs. And so the war and the conversations and we, you know, we're working through old town and bitterness and saw the benefit concert for Ukrainians. And so there's, it's always on the front end, but it's in the supportive mode of we're going to help Ukrainians because we've been there and we've had to live through that. So when I was a kid in 91, nothing to the scale that Ukraine is going through, but when we were trying to gain independence, there were tanks rolling through our streets. There were Russians taking over our media um, you know, people dying underneath, uh, you know, the tanks to protect the freedom. We didn't have guns. We had people, mm. um, you know, so at that moment in time, we didn't have an army. We didn't have support from external um, countries as we're fighting for independence, but people stood shoulder to shoulder, you know, 300,000 people um, are, uh, just around the, uh, let's say the national uh, parliament building, try to protect the government that was established, right? Wow. So they dared them to run them over with tanks, literally, and go take over the government. So, and that's what saved the institutions and and the wow. government in the long run. But if you look it up on YouTube, and you know, 
January 1991 Lithuania, you'll find a lot of interesting things. And when I play that back now, when this war started in February of this year, it's verbatim. Mm. It is, you know, the same messaging, um, the same, you know, pretext that Russians claim to have for invading Ukraine. It's the same pretext for that they have for Lithuania. And we just, I think, you know, the history has already shown us that that can happen again. We just didn't take it seriously enough. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. But now I think it's fine for Lithuania itself. We just want to make sure that we can do our part to help Ukraine. If I talk to a Russian young business owner like you that lives in Moscow, lived there his whole life, is he saying, "Hey, man, this was part of the Soviet Union. This is our this is our stuff anyway. We're trying to get this back. Like this is supposed to be ours." Is that how he responds? I'm just curious. I don't. I mean, I honestly don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, I am I'm a little worried about that response because the information there is just one dimensional and limited. I see. Um, mm. And so I can see how, you know, the perception is formed and, you know, we can go off tangents and how even our perception is formed based on what we hear oh, and yeah. what we see. Oh, oh no doubt. But um, but to sort of say it was always ours. It wasn't always theirs. They occupied it for 50 years only. It was That's from true. 1941 to 1991. If you right. look at history books, yeah. Lithuania was independent and, you know, fighting for its own existence since the 11th century. So for 50 years in the modern times, yes, they, okay. they occupied. It wasn't voluntary. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that's not a pretext in my uh, mind. I gotcha. That's good. Good history lesson right there for a lot of folks listening. Thank you for sharing that very much. Okay. So when you first came over at 14, did you speak English or no? I did not. No. Ooh, holy cow. Not. Wow. Okay. <laughs> holy. Were the kids picking on you in high school? Like, oh, this is the Russian kid and they're giving you a hard time, a bunch of shit like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, I went to a school, I went to Main East High School in Park Ridge, uh, which it's a beautiful place because it had, I forget, probably 60 first generation immigrants oh. in that school. Okay. So when you first walked in, there was a, a case of little flags of each country that oh. um, each student was, at least one student was from in, at that time in, um, in the school. And there must've been 60 and it's, and it's Polish and it's Indian and it's Korean and it's, you know, Lithuanian and it's Russian. And so there was so much, and there's Americans, so much mixture and culture um, that it was a beautiful place for me to sort of adapt wow. to and understand and really learn about many different cultures. And, you know, kids dated cross-culturally all the time. There were no territorial cool. things. It was just, it was beautiful. Um, that's so great. I was really lucky to be in that environment. So I wasn't alone, although I was alone from Lithuania, but sort of the setting was perfect for me. Yeah. Kudos to your good. mom for kudos to, for your, to your mom for putting you in that school, right? A great move. Great move. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we lived right near Chicago and Park Ridge. Um, and that's where I went to school. And, you know, she definitely found that school district and, and it was, and it was perfect. So it was great. Okay. Very good. How did you decide to go to school or how did you decide where to go to school and what to major in? How'd that happen? Or did you not even know when you were a freshman, you're like, I don't know, I'm just going to college to have fun. What, talk to me about it. <laughs> so I was a runner, uh, track cross country. And my first pick was based on what school wanted me for running. 
and I then see you. if that fit for me academically. Um, I knew what I couldn't be, but I literally picked up a brochure and looked at it and says, what pays the best starting salary? And I picked, uh, <laughs> I picked IT programming at that time. And I took oh. one class in college. I think it was, you know, C++ programming 101. And I almost failed it. And I said, I'm out. <laughs> so <laughs> I switched, I switched, uh, I switched my aspirations for a major quickly after that. It wasn't about money, but it was, uh, it was more about what I was interested in and was good at. That's so funny. We have uh, something similar there in common. My uh, uh, my first major was uh, accounting, and uh, I had this young lady that uh, I was friends with, and she had uh, she had all the tests for for accounting one, and so I never had to study because I had all the tests. So basically, I cheated my way all the way through accounting one. Then then accounting two came. The next semester, I was like, "Oh shit, okay, yeah, I don't, I don't know anything." <laughs> so I, I had to switch communications. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> gotta uh, change what, up. What division? Um, North Central College. When you ran there, what what is is what division are they? NCAA Division Three. Okay, um, great, great. Yeah, yeah. So private school Division Three, private car, very expensive, right? I'm pretty expensive. Very expensive. Yeah. And there's no athletic scholarships. So it was all right. academic based and mm -hmm. I did not have a nest egg behind me to support that. So it was, it was um, all academic. And then the rest of it, I worked all the way through high school and college to support myself. Um, restaurants, and, uh, restaurants were all kinds of stuff. No, I just worked actually at office max stores. Um, I got that job at an office max store junior year in high school. And I stayed with them, just transferred stores from Park Ridge or from Morton Grove to Naperville. And I worked there um, while I ran and went to school. So I, I worked almost full time. Wow. Okay. You, you came out of school with some debt, I'm assuming. A little bit. Um, actually, I would say no debt. I, I would say no. I came out no. with just a couple thousand bucks. Uh, what? It was, what? It, yeah, it was really a beautiful story. And again, that support system that was at North Central, um, alumni, you know, people, um, you know, a person after meeting me for 30 minutes invited me to live with him senior year to save money on room and board with his family oh, so I could oh. save money. At, you know, so I things see. like that, that, um that you know that place is special um and i try to give back as much as i can now um but it really allowed me to you know kind of see the potential of you know human support um both yes. sort of emotionally and you know financially from all angles and it never stopped coming so that's um, so that yeah, is a really okay, cool spot that is great stuff did you run all four years I did. Yep. Um, ran and, you know, the school there um, on paper looks division three. That school has won more than 30 national championships in track and cross country. Um, it competed against D2, D1 and beat and held its own. Um, went to all the biggest, you know, uh, college track meets, cross country meets at Notre Dame, University of Illinois, others, you know, and, um, you know, some division one schools will not want to run against us because it hurt their ratings. <laughs> if they lost against division three, we, uh, so you know, we went to, we went to a track meet. I remember mm -hmm. at University of Illinois and it did not score any of our guys from uh, in the results. 
because that would look bad on paper. About that. So um, we took pride in that, you know. So all the guys that went to that school knew the history. They went there to run. They were scrappers, and they were people that were not getting full rides to go to D one schools and went there to show what they're really worth. And how about and it worked that? Out. Yeah. Were you um, when you first got there coming out of high school? I'm assuming you were top of the you you were you were a, you know highly ranked, kicking everybody's ass probably on a regular basis. When you got to college, were you like, oh, shit, everybody here is good? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I went from being, you know, uh, a top, you know, I ran and competed at the state finals in the mile um, in track in high school to being like, you know, the seventh best guy on my team. <laughs> so uh, had, to, had to really step up quickly. And, you know, like when you're in that environment, you kind of you either sink or swim and you kind of learn through osmosis what hard work is what you know what even next level work is and how to balance all of that but again it's not a doggy dog world in that program it is all about support and it's all about making your teammate better um it's an individual sport but coach al curious and frank grammaroso both coaches you know 40 50 years at that school uh, did a phenomenal job raising generations of young men that were great people beyond just athletes that, you know, that culture worked, um, that support system worked, the proof was in the pudding. When you came there, you just had to uh, fit that mold and work as hard as you can. And the results came, you know, whether it's, whether it was for you or for your teammates or for the unit and kind of lifted everybody together. So um, it was a good environment to be and lose yourself in you know, um, outside of yeah. class. So many people that I have recruited over the years that played college athletics of any kind at any division, they speak like you do that, you know, that's why when I'm recruiting somebody, if I see that they, you know, did four years of college athletics, I'm like, okay, yeah, I want to talk to that person because yeah. they're, they're team oriented, they're coachable. They have very high work ethic. They're very organized, you know, just all of it. Right. Cause they had, they had to do that to be part. I mean, to play college athletics and work. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to school, you're working the job, you're running track. I just know as a recruiter and a 55 year old guy that that takes a lot of commitment, determination and organization to be able to do that. That's why I'm always attracted to those profiles. Then I meet candidates sometimes and they don't have that on their like LinkedIn profile. And I'm always like, what are you doing? Like what? Actually, yeah, that I'll admit, <laughs> I don't have that on my profile. So I need to fix no, it. <laughs> it's on there. No, 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 no. You have, is it, so, is it on yeah, there? Yeah, 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 yeah. You have, you have cross country on here. Yeah. Okay. You do. I, yeah, yeah, you do. You probably could put more uh, of the accolades on there, I'm sure, but you do have it listed. So anyway, yeah, that's a, that's a huge accomplishment. Congratulations. On, for, uh, congratulations on coming to the U S didn't know English adapted somehow maneuvered your way through made good grades got into school then ran track for four years while you were working at office max i mean come on man that's 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 pretty good did you meet your wife at office max or on the track field uh actually so after working at office max stores they gave me an opportunity to go to work at corporate so i went and met her at corporate at office max yeah oh, so she was, she was what happened you walked by a cubicle or whatever and you're like oh hey what's yeah. your name I heard the heels and I had to look up over my cubicle and 
<laughs> and the rest is history. So <laughs> uh, uh, you're like, hey, do you like kids yeah, with well, accents? Said, do you like do you like young, yeah, exactly. young looking guys with accents? I mean, come on, man. <laughs> well, she, you know, she was from Texas, so she had the accent, and then I had my accent, and then she sat outside of my boss's office, so it was it was convenient. So yeah, it was. Uh, she was good. a runner as well, just oh. you know, uh, kind of running a little bit. Right. Uh, we had a running club at Office Max. Um, our CEO mm -hmm. ran and all that stuff. So we had put together some some uh, relay teams and had some fun and she joined. And that was a good end for me to talk to Carrie, you know, so it was great. When you were in college, did your accent help you pick up a bunch of chicks? I'm sure it did, didn't it? I mean, come on. you can. Yeah, I, I didn't really have time for chicks, honestly. I, it was just I, like business time all the time. And, you know, I I knew exactly like when I will be able to fit a nap in like five days in advance. <laughs> like I'm going to have 15 minutes after this class before, before I have to be at work <laughs> to now get, see, you know, a nap. So <laughs> that goes back all the way to the behavior traits that I talked about to make it through playing sports and doing all that stuff. That's why see somebody like you, you're having trouble with zoom. You're trying to get logged in a, a minute before, right? Like, like a minute, yeah, 30 yeah. seconds before the time is supposed and you're hitting me saying, hey, bro, I'm trying to get logged in. See, it's little traits like that that go all the way back to that super hyper-organized young man that made it through all that. I love I love that. Okay, so, all right, so you met your wife. How long did you uh, date before you got married? Uh, we dated, gosh, we dated two years before okay. we got married. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, we waited a year. Uh, we, uh, two years or it, two years from the start of our dating, two and a half years, we had our first born. So okay. Um, okay. we dated, um, yeah, we started dating in April, 2008, got married in October, 2009. Our daughter was born in November, 2010. And then what happened? She said, I want to be around family. We're moving to Dallas. Or did you get the job at mega brands? Like which one, which one came first? Yeah, no. So I had I had a job at Mega Brands. I left Office Max in 2011. Um, we had our son. Uh, she was pregnant with um, our son, and he was born in June of 2012. Um, and having two kids that were 18 months apart in Chicago, you know, I I don't really have a family support system there. She had the job at Office Max um, still. Um, and my job was in, you know, national account manager, so I can just work from anywhere. So they allowed me to move to Dallas. And I see uh, the, the trigger point was when I had to write a daycare check for two kids that was greater than my mortgage <laughs> in <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> Literally, uh, the state was in the front lawn in, in 24 hours. Um, and Texas was more affordable and better in the family support system and all that. So and we've been here since. First summer in Texas, where you're like, "Oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. This is freaking hot." <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, first summer in Texas, it's but you know all the things she she did a really good job recruiting me to move to Texas, and I'm never moving uh, if I can yeah, help. Yeah, I mean, it, hey, you know, hey, it's, it's great. If it, it's if awesome. It's yeah, I I mean, I couldn't agree more. I grew up in Oklahoma, but I lived in Tech. I lived in Dallas, and I lived in Austin for three, three or four years. So I'm a huge fan. I just wish you could eliminate June, July, and August. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't have seasons. We just have like summer and not summer. And the not summer is just right. You know, right. 50. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> That's exactly right. 
Are you uh, are you are you full blown? Are you full blown Texas acclimated? Acclimated? Do you do you hunt? Do you fish? Do you do you do all the Texas guy things now? Or or I'm just curious. No, no hunting, no fishing. My brother in laws um, fish. Uh, nobody really hunts in in our family. Um, okay. Distant family from my wife's side does, but I uh, I also don't run anymore. Just had a health um, you know wearing out my hips type of thing. Oh, but I picked up racing um, with bicycles, so I race bikes now, and I've uh, oh. been racing that three, four years. And I'm a competitive guy; always want to sweat and have trouble breathing voluntarily. <laughs> so that's what gets me, um, you know, high, so to speak. So yeah, I, yeah, I race bikes. That's very good. You still, you look like you're in great shape, by the way. Look, is your wife? Is she still active as well? Absolutely. Yeah. She, you know, she does her own thing every single day on the Peloton and yoga and strength work and got a little, you know, COVID forced us to make one of the bedrooms into a gym. So and still how use you, that every day. How old are you kids now? My daughter is going to be 12 in a couple of months and my son oh. is 10. So I have a sixth grader and a fifth grader. Oh, it's, it's right before the teenage years start. You, you have a little time left before it gets crazy. I'm still a cool dad. I'm still holding on to it, you yeah. know, not, yeah. not yeah. publicly, you know, in front of her friends, you know, it's already arm lengths away, but when we're just family, she's still my kid. Um, so hopefully that stays. I don't want to scare you, but uh, daughters between 13 and 17, <laughs> they can be tough. <laughs> speaking from experience yeah bro i'm telling you i mean uh, you know i mean teenagers and teenagers in general but uh anyway no it's good you're you're enjoying the i always used to say uh from from like four to eleven is is a is a, is a magical time that right Sweet in there spot, yeah 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 i'm enjoying it now yeah i <laughs> you know she started junior high this year so it's new school new friends new kids and it's yeah i can see that for sure okay so so life is going good. You're, you're, you're married. You, you've got the great education. You're, you're had a couple of good jobs. Do you have this? Um, I mean, then you went to Ubrands, by the way, for almost seven years as, as VP. Did you have this entrepreneurial bug? Like, was it in there the whole time? Like someday I'm going to start my own thing or how did that develop? Um, it never really um, I never looked at myself as an entrepreneur or a risk taker. I, I was the one that, you know, I think, it, you know, for me, it was the person that wanted a stable job and the stable support system by, you know, by a good company. Okay. Um, and then it was just sort of an obvious thing that I needed to do because it was so evident that this was going to work, that if I didn't do it, it would just be a miss and a regret for the rest of my life. And, and I didn't do it alone. Um, but I always tell people, it's like when you meet that person, when you meet your wife, your significant other that you want to marry, and you're just trying to not screw it up because you know, that's the person there's, there's just like, okay, let me just get, we went on a date. I know, I, I know I can spend my life with this person. And that's what you start building experiences and trust and leading up to hopefully proposal, marriage, kids and all that same thing happened here was you see an opportunity i just need to get it done i make sure i want to make sure i don't screw it up um and um you know there were two other guys i had met um in 
while I was at Office Max, they were my vendor uh, uh, from Mega Brands, uh, Ben Hawk and Mike Cirillo. Um, they recruited me to come work for them at Mega Brands. Um, and then um, they left Mega Brands in January of 2014. Um, and I had this idea for Basso um, for you know a rep agency. Um, I went to them and I, and I said, hey, I have this idea, what do you think? Uh, they had already built and sold a business once um, to Mega Brands. Uh, they built board dudes and sold to mega brands. And I, you know, I wanted someone in my corner that could, yes. that could guide me through it and mm. that I could talk to someone Good about. Move. So Good move. simultaneously, they were starting U brands and they said, Hey, can you come and help us build this business? So if you, um, so I was working both on U brands and Vaso at the same time for a few years, um, doing sales uh, as a VP of sales at U Brands and also um, starting to slowly build Vaso at the same time. So, so the three of us were always, and to this day are still intertwined mm. together. Um, when Smeed bought U Brands in 2017, I left that role to focus full-time on Vaso. Okay. Um, but the three of us are still partners in Vaso. Um, they don't do anything day to day. Um, I've run that business sort of since day one, but all three of us are owners mm -hmm. together um, and we've had a great partnership. So they've been, you know, mentors, um, you know, uh, just sometimes, you know, just speaking, hey, you know, what should we do in this scenario? They've been there, done that. Um, the further we grow, the less I'm reliant on it, but we all, uh, we all sort of are growing at the same pace and are learning new things as we go. None of us have built an agency before. So, you know, this is new, uh, but we're able to figure things out together. So they're still on the cap table. They're still equity holders, but are you, uh, are you, um, I don't know how much you want to share, but are you in charge, so to speak with majority ownership or how, what's the layout of the ownership or can you share? Uh, I'd rather not share the specifics of the ownership, uh, okay. just, you know, keep that between us. Uh, but, you know, as far as in charge, all of us, you know, weigh each other's opinion equally. Um, it okay. doesn't really matter. We all respect each other. Um, and, okay. um, I run the day to day. They have full trust in me running day to day. And that's, that's since day one, you know, have they're you, all right. Have you yeah. taken on any angel money, PE money, VC stuff, anything to take on any other outside cash? Nope. None at all. No, we've all self-grown ourselves. Um, That's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So you've grown. Can you, uh, and how big is that? Why don't you give us the Vaso overview? Now's a good time. Give us the, give us the elevator pitch as it stands today. How, how, you know, what, what you guys do, what you specialize in, how big you are, go for it. Sure. So we um, we're you know, we've sort of changed and how we define ourselves over the last seven, eight years. We first, you know, started, um, as a traditional, call it manufacturer's representative, right? You know, the, uh, the manufacturer's rep firm. Um, that's a traditional model that supports, you know, a vendor that goes and sells to a national retailer. But we were only, our mindset was to only be specific to e-commerce and specific to Amazon.com. Uh, uh, Amazon we wanted to do one thing and one thing really, really well and not sort of dilute ourselves into brick and mortar and wholesale and, you know, other things. So, 
the staff that we hire, the people that we look for, um, the services that we provide is just e-commerce focused. And that has grown quite a bit since 2014. And we sort of rebranded ourselves as an e-commerce brand agency instead of manufacturers rep firm. Um, yeah, so we have content creators that basically manage um, everything from the brand store um, down to photography and videography. We have an in-house um, studio. We have an in-house photographer and designer. Um, you know, so we basically, in a sense, all we need is a box of samples um, and we can take photos, videos, build a beautiful page, uh, make sure it's SEO optimized market. Um, and have a full strategy. Uh, the biggest piece I think is that we have account managers that are extremely well-versed and experienced in all aspects of the business, understand the whole entire strategy to help a brand navigate everything from um, product development all the way through the final sale, um, including you know negotiations with vendors, right? Um, managing price increases, um, working with Amazon, um, on that um, and just acting as a full-time advocate um, in the brand's corner. Um, so, and that's a big piece these days with price increases and inflation coming up and all those things. So it's a hot topic for a lot of brands, but we basically, our motto is that we want to take any excuse out of, um, out of the vendor's vocabulary while they're not successful in Amazon. So, that's basically do you target small medium large who are you targeting who's your target client really sort of a medium-sized business i should say but we have not um you know we have not shied away from small or the large and we have everyone from an inventor and we typically don't work with inventors but we have one inventor that has been really successful easy to work with he's had tremendous retail background so it's easy to work with and Hey, we should do this and he understands it um all the way to you know someone that trades on you know new york stock exchange so uh, you know brands in that spectrum but but our sweet spot it always is for agencies is someone you know where they need expertise where they need to compete with the alpha dogs in the category but mm. they can't afford to do so okay. if you want to compete against you know, Procter & Gamble in the CPG business and you are starting a shaving company, how do you compete with Gillette? You know, so, mm -hmm. you know, how do you, you know, how do you parse your own path through that? And you, you need a staff of 10 people. You just can't afford to pay them. You need a copywriter. You need an analyst. You need a marketing person. You need a national account manager. You need a designer. Um, you need all these people, but how do you, how do you, how do you pay all of them when you're making zero dollars or when you're making, you know, 10,000 bucks a year, or hundred thousand bucks a year, even um, in net profit for that brand. So, but while, you know, PNG or someone like that is advancing further and further and, and, and sort of growing their sales. So that's what sweet spot is, is we enable small and medium sized businesses to really be at with, with the alpha dogs. You know, even if you have a marketing team, let's say you're a $50 million company and you have a marketing team of four or five people, you still probably don't have an Amazon e-commerce expert that's going to help you get the price. If you've never done it before, probably. You, so you still need boss over. Right. Even if, yeah. Um, are they bringing you on? 
are you a temporary service? Are you a, Hey, you, Hey, Mrs. Client, you're probably going to use us till you get to here. And then when you get to here, you, you know, do they drop you because now they got all these in-house people? Like, where are you in the lifespan of the company? We're typically evergreen. Um, we have, you know, we have been able to prove our value and grow with our clients and our investment in our own business never stops. You know, we always challenge ourselves internally on our side to give a client more for their buck and to stress okay. that dollar further. So as they grow, you know, for example, nowhere on day one did I think that we would be, I'll give you the most recent example of what we're doing this Friday, shooting a video with a pregnant actress for a product and then we have to source talent do makeup and do all that as an amazon brand agency but that's a tangent that we identified and said hey if this brand wants to be successful we need a product video how do we shoot a product video we need this kind of person we don't have one in house let's go let's go find talent guess what? We have someone that used to work in theater. That's one of our copywriters. They can, you know, they have uh, a way to find that talent. Um, and so all of a sudden we're shooting a product this Friday with makeup and everything else that beyond my knowledge, I just know that we're executing. We have internal staff that knows how to do this. And that's the beauty of it, that we harness all this knowledge from previous experiences. And we got together and say, hey, we can do this ourselves. We just need to get this front and this person and this model. And we're doing this for the brand and we're transparent and the brand loves it because we do it all in house to get direct input of what that looks like. And it's with a specific uh, goal in mind and it just translates into a finished product that then generates revenue for that brand. So sounds um, to me we like, always challenge sounds, ourselves. Sounds to me like Vassal is edging into a full blown marketing agency that does lot more is that is that are you head are you is there a plan for that or it's just kind of happening what are your thoughts there we have been naturally pushed towards certain arenas of that whole uh, spectrum so to speak so yes. Yes. um you know content is king and content is evolving um People don't read bullet points anymore. Um, the Amazon algorithm helps you get ranked based on what's written, but that's not how people shop products. Mm. So going into, you know, images was definitely critical. And now the static imagery is being overtaken by moving imagery, uh, imagery aka video and, you know, social media posts and engagement. So you always have to evolve with it and how your brand is going to be found and what will separate you um, from the rest. Um, mm, mm. But yeah, so we are, you know, we're, we're always pushing ourselves not only on that front, but also data analytics uh, and being able to also find information it, from the raw sources of data and compute that and translate that into trends and opportunities on our own. Uh, and not just rely on Amazon export, right? Like we want to be able to see what's around the corner based from the data that we see versus be reactive. So a lot of our investment as an agency is not necessarily even in the work that we do. It's also in the systems that we have behind us that support, um, you know, software that we purchase, uh, software that we 
help develop and participate in beta trials for different companies uh-huh. just to always push the envelope. Now you're talking about increasing valuation for your company, really. If you've got stuff, the proprietary software that you're creating, now all of a sudden you're a tech company, just a little bit. <laughs> uh, you know, it's right. always a fun part to do things that you know nothing about, but then you always listen to those podcasts and say, hey, I had an idea. I had no idea how to about, you know, you know how to do, you know, um, you know, how to write code. And here we are selling a company um, for, you know, all those dreams that people have. But for yeah. us, it's more about, being irreplaceable and really being that partner for the brand that they need us that there is no end point when they don't need us that right. we're going to like, always evolve to that point and that's the magic uh i mean that's happy land for a service business if it's evergreen right because most service businesses by definition are temporary to a certain degree because usually clients are turning you on and off when they need you or don't need you but if you can figure out a model where you're growing with them and they need you all the time. And you can plug in the tech play there in the background that's building over time. And you're really increasing valuation for the company overall, which is, which is fantastic. Real quick. What's the model? Is it, um, are the, do they pay you a flat, flat, a flat service fee? Is it based on the product sold? Is it, what, what's the package? It is, um, it is based on performance for us. Uh, we like okay. to, Okay. We like to give a peace of mind to the brand that we work with that, you know, we will earn our keep. It's not a flat okay. fee. It's, it's based on performance. Um, and we typically, um, you know, make sure it's a good fit for both sides. Um, we want to make sure that we will add value to the, to the brand that we're going to work with and that they will actually be, um, you know, willing to work with us, listen to our advice, listen to our input, um, and not just give a one-dimensional direction, uh, because then we're less valuable. We can't really, if they're not implementing what we would suggest with facts behind the scenes, what needs to be done, then really we're not going to earn, um, you know, what we thought we were going to earn as an agency. So, but if we feel that it's going to be a good partnership, the proof is in the pudding for us. We know we'll be successful. So we're not, afraid. you know, I, oh my gosh, what you just said, they're so magical. You know, when Scott and I first started rider flex and we were super tiny, cause we have, we have like 30 recruiters working for us now, but back when we first started, you know, we had to put up with client, we had to put up with clients that were assholes or they wouldn't listen or this or that or whatever, you know, and we, of course we were starving for cash. So we did, we did whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it is yeah. such a wonderful place to get to as a service business when you can finally go, yeah, that client right there. I don't think we want to work with them anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you have to make those decisions sometimes. And a lot of times clients will understand, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, clients, they're human yeah. beings. And a lot of times, unless you're speaking to the owner, um, yep. you know, a lot of times they will say, hey, it's just, I understand. Just my hands are tied. This is the direction that we're taking. And it's and it's nothing personal, you know, and, um, you know, we've never had any sort of, you know, bad breakup so to speak that's like good. we've you know yeah, we, uh, we, uh, we've been able to keep it cordial and um all of our you know most of our clients at some point existing clients that we work with have at least tried to refer someone else to us you know so that's it's great. been it's been really rewarding um and and a lot of the business that we have have gotten over the last four or five years have been referrals from our existing clients and then wonderful from the merchants that we work with at amazon too so 
Well, congratulations on the business you have built, my friend. How many employees now? We have 20. Uh, we have 20 uh, employees. Uh, wow. And uh, yeah, that's we're nice. Fun. That's pretty good. Uh, congratulations. I mean, you're in a pretty competitive market, but it sounds like you're continuing to grow the business over time and uh, and you're having fun and, and you don't have, doesn't sound like you have any debt. Sounds like you're profitable and you're increasing in sales every year. It sounds, sounds like things are going well. I mean, I know there's always hurdles, but uh, it sounds like you're having fun building it. There's definitely challenges. Yeah. Thank you for, you know, um, the accolades so far, but we're not done. Um, definitely had, you know, I don't see myself doing anything else. Um, and, uh, the good saying, you know, when, when you have fun every single day, it's not work anymore. Right. So, so um, yeah, it's so, so it's, it's just having fun. By the way, I want to tell you how I shop on Amazon real quick. I want to tell you, this is how I shop. I, I, by the way, I, I'm, you're, the, you're the expert. You're the expert. You can tell me what I'm, but if you wanted a uh, user uh, a user uh, uh, feedback, I mean, this is what I do. Is this normal? Tell me if this is normal behavior. Chainsaw. Let's, I bought a chainsaw recently. I type in chainsaw. Look on the thing. This is what I do right away. I'm like, okay, is there a video? Is there a picture? Is there a lot of reviews on here? High-ranking reviews, video. Uh, and then it's like Amazon choice or whatever that is. I can't, I can't remember the Amazon, uh, yeah. yep. whatever that tag, is. if it's got that tag, it's got a lot of reviews and it's got a video. Boom. I buy it. I heard, I don't even read anything else. How does that, does that sound that's normal? It. That's, I mean, that's exactly the behavior that we, that we would you know, sort of expect from a typical customer today. So, okay. um, okay. thanks for that feedback just because we, we typically, you know, strive for that and, you know, content is great. Probably how, how, how you found that chainsaw is that the you know, keyword chainsaw was very relative for that product um, yeah, yeah. typed in there somewhere. Right. But then closing and say closing that and making that conversion is definitely what you just mentioned is, you know, content video, trusting do, reviews. And do, uh, do men shop like this on Amazon and women are a little more careful. Um, really, you know, it's hard to separate that out. Uh, it can be both ways, depending who's shopping and whose account. <laughs> okay. Uh, I didn't know if I didn't because, know if it was exactly similar. Like when my wife and I go to the clothing store, or whatever. I'm just like I just grab a shirt. Like I don't spend a lot of time with it, right? And my wife's hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> it'll depend. You know, um, Amazon shopping behavior is not necessarily how we, you know, how traditional marketers think, which is. Oh. Okay. lineal which is like you know demographic based or you know um you know age group based this is more amazon groups their shoppers into behavior bases into behavior verticals if that makes sense so this is a group that shops quickly this is a group that's indecisive this is a group that browses in this category but hasn't bought it so when you're targeting customers it's not necessarily demographics it's based wow. on behaviors so it's slightly different Interesting, so you definitely fall in the ones we love, the ones that close quickly and we can convert oh, yeah. and target again. And oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am. I have a list and I'm just like, bam, 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 bam. Uh, real quick for the listeners, vasogroup.com, V-A-S-O, vasogroup.com. Uh, please go there, check them out. You can, uh, I'm sure there's a contact page on there and you can uh, ask them about, uh, you know, providing service, et cetera. I'm sure, sure Reggie and his team would be happy to reach out to you. My friend, um, 
I could, uh, man, I could, I could talk. I could, I have like 50 more questions I could ask you, but we're out of time. So, um, I, uh, appreciate you being on the show. What a wonderful story. I mean, you should think about writing a book, bro. And I'm not, I'm not just saying that I'm not, I'm not, that's not just me blowing smoke, by the way, we're writing a book at Riderflex. It's coming soon, but, nice. um, um, you should think about writing a book, that whole thing about, you know, your mom, single parent, moving over here had to come over here for two years and sacrifice and be without you and then brought you over and then you learned english and then she got you in that good school and then you worked your ass off at office banks where you're going to school i mean the, pretty damn good story man you should think about writing a book and i need to get you back on the podcast so we can talk more so well i appreciate that um thanks for the time and hopefully this is a little bit of a you know inside inspiration i know podcasts are for me when i listen to podcasts like this so Hopefully this uh, this provides someone an opportunity to keep fighting. So I appreciate the time and thanks for inviting us. And thank you for supporting our business when we need some new talent. So I know I need to talk to Tatiana again to find another uh, for us. So, uh, you know, thank, thank you for sir. what you've done as well. Pre appreciate it, Reggie.